don't know. It, it's just a, a sideways, mm. possession, boring style of football. You know, I think boring is, is 10 years without a title. That's very boring. But yeah, it's just... Every day is the same. It's, it's Boy, is it boring? Yeah, really boring. I think you lack a bit creativity in the press at the moment and you follow a, a bandwagon that is uh, very, 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 very boring. Hello everybody and welcome to the Left Back in the Studio, the podcast that brings you the bad, the ugly and the boring of modern football in podcast form. And... We've got a great episode lined up today. My name is Kieran Duggan, and joining me, as he always does each and every week, is my good friend Ben Cartwright. How are you doing today, Ben? I'm doing fantastically well. Um, I've been watching some very boring football over the last week, and I can't wait to talk about it once again. So much has happened. I mean, a 13-year-old played for Celtic. That was weird. (laughs) Um, England played in a boring game. That was normal. And we visited a non-league football game yesterday, which was very exciting. So we'll get onto that all later, I'm sure. Absolutely. In fact, some would argue probably the highlight fixture of some of yesterday's games, based on what we saw at least. And you mentioned it there, Ben. Let's kickstart with England. I mean, I feel like any time international football comes around, England is going to be a topic of discussion on this podcast because they are traditionally well, I'd say certainly over the last decade, been quite boring. But you could argue that actually the story around England hasn't been boring because we've obviously had a change in manager. We've got, well, we had Big Sam who came in. Again, we talked about this in the Slovakia game. It was a very boring game, but but, but now he's gone. What's going on there? That's that's not typical England, is it? Well, no, it's not. I was was, was thinking the exact same thing. I mean, we're so used to England being boring, but here we are, we're we're being treated to something that is definitely not boring with the whole Sam Allardyce saga. Um, Long may it continue, please. Controversy, I love it. Um, I am, of course, joking. Please don't accept (laughs) bungs. I don't want you accepting a bung from another podcast to go join them or something. Um, But yeah, I think think the thing we can take away from the Allardyce saga, as I've said, is... um, some job advice actually and that advice is if you get a new job don't do anything that means you'd lose that job within two weeks of getting that job please don't do what Sam Allardyce did because it's entirely stupid it's the only way of putting it really um, and he's lost his job it's classic England really I mean it's, it's not classic England for being entertaining but it's classic England for just messing everything up I think a lot of people had come around to Big Sam thinking right Big Sam is the answer he knows what he's doing he might play Route 1 football, but at least he gets the job done and we can actually maybe win some games and feel good about England again. And oh no, that's over. Let's go back to something boring once again. We've got Gareth Southgate, the most uninspiring manager choice. Maybe I'm being harsh, but yeah. Well, that's what I was going to mention, really. I mean, Sam Allardyce in, in itself isn't necessarily the most exciting appointment. It's not necessarily going to get everybody really hyped about England. But like you say, you have the kind of sustainability element. You think things could be okay. So what do you do? You then bring in someone like South Gar- Gareth Southgate, I should say. I can't even say his name properly. That's 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 how much I don't really care about him, to be honest. But <laughs> I, I did write down in my notes here, could he not be one of the most like dull or stale appointments that we've ever made? I think he made the point yesterday that he's, he's managed the England under-21 team, but what has he really got to show for it? You know, has he? I think you said to me, has he won a tournament? And why? And if that's if that's not the case, then why should we think he's going to fare any better with England? 
I mean, you say it might be the, state, the most stale manager appointment of all time. Of course, we did say goodbye to Francesco Guidolin last week as well. <laughs> the, other, the other candidate for that award, I'd say. Um, but yeah, looking through the, the names in the sort of mixer, of course, that sort of whole rigmarole of, oh, who's going to be England manager now has started. Obviously, we've got Gareth Southgate, as you mentioned. Then we've got um, Arsene Wenger, who's my personal favourite, but then apparently he's not good enough because he's a foreigner. Um, according to some people, not that's not not my views. But anyway, uh, we got Eddie Howe, the sort of young the young lad on the block, the new guy. Um, he'll be hoping to get in the manager, but he's doing a great job at Bournemouth. Why on earth would he want to leave that when he's doing fantastically well? And he's very early on in his career as a manager, so. If he takes in the manager, then of course he will end up messing it up and then ruin his, his managerial career forever. Then we've got Glenn Hoddle, um, the psychic. I mean, we've all heard his ITV commentary. Um, <laughs> if, if that man still knows what he's talking about, um, then I think I'm an expert on football too. Um, <laughs> and then we've got Mancini, apparently, was a guest of the FA yesterday. Another foreigner, um, which is an issue. And, another, and someone who... Well, he, I know the Man City fans did like him. He wrote that letter in the paper, which was lovely of him. Um, but is he the man to take England to a World Cup win? Roberto Mancini? I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But the, they're the candidates. I just I think all of them are bad, which is just really annoying. And we, we seem to have it perfect with Sam Allardyce. Yeah, well, absolutely. And I think Arsene Wenger is obviously the top candidate that the FA want. There's no doubt about that. But all of those names, again, I think it just tells you where England are at the moment. None of those are really top-class managers, I would say, in that, in that bracket that so so many fans think England are in. You know, if they think they're in the top 10 in terms of the FIFA rankings system, then they think they should be getting a manager who's in the top 10 or one of the best managers of the world. But that's just not going to happen. Um, but moving away from the kind of managerial debate, another debate that always crops up and I, I think this is getting incredibly tiresome now, is Wayne Rooney. There's been, there's been a number of articles. There was, there was actually a, a back page headline in the Mail on Sunday today, which has basically talked about the fact that the fans were booing Wayne Rooney's name when it was announced at the beginning of the Malta game. I mean, can we just... What, what, when will this debate end, Ben? Will he just, does somebody just have to say... Either you're not captain or just bench him or something. Because at the moment, it's, it's the only thing that people really seem to care about of England at the moment, whether Wayne Rooney starts or not. Are you saying that Rooney was booed by the fans in Wembley? Are you sure they just weren't going, Rooney, <laughs> like a Robert Huth or a Joe Root? Um, that's what happens and, and it often confuses spectators maybe they were just saying Rooney Who know? I need, we need to look into that get someone on the case there um, but yeah they say that imitation is the sincerest form of flattery um, and apparently all the different managers want to imitate playing Rooney out of position in a team that he doesn't really fit in in a position that he doesn't, definitely doesn't fit in and he sort of passed it I mean I don't understand why everyone keeps on hitting that same horse We've got Marcus Rashford on the bench, who, except for being absolutely pocketed by Glenn Johnson last week against Stoke, <laughs> has been fantastic this season and last season. So he's sitting there on the wings, literally on the wings when he comes on, because there's no place for him for some reason in his favoured number nine position. And instead, we're playing Wayne Rooney, who, I mean, I just, I, I, I am, I am a Wayne Rooney fan. I'm not going to lie, like I, do, I do like Wayne Rooney, but I just don't think he. He doesn't fit into the system. He might have just lost that half yard of pace to sort of flog a cliche off there. Um, 
but yeah, he's just he's not the player he used to be, I don't think. And it's and it is time to have him on the bench. If he's a leader, you don't need to have the captain arm armband to be a leader. There's there's this this whole thing about the the captaincy in England that apparently if you're captain that's the only leader on the pitch where that's not what Rooney could do he could be the captain of England as a whole and sort of do those sort of duties but that doesn't mean he needs to be on the pitch to do it it's about being a leader for the team Um, and unfortunately that leader in the team doesn't act well in my opinion shouldn't be in that team and that's the good point that you raise about the captaincy issue because as long as he remains captain there will always there'll be at least a perception amongst the coaching staff and the manager that he has to start because you don't have a captain on the bench it's very rare I know uh, towards the end of Thomas Vermaelen's career at Arsenal when he was captain he was benched but it was very odd and very weird and it didn't seem right so I can imagine that that's something that I think England really need to change really just get him on the bench if he's not going to fit in the system because as we've seen with Roy Hodgson I think in large part particularly in the Euros which has happened recently that really cost him his job this trying to fit Rooney in I guess the issue is who would replace him as captain but that will, I'm sure we'll talk about that another day correct I just wanted to add quickly onto the, specifically the game I don't know if you're going to bring this up but I mean Malta showed how any team in world football can now sort of challenge England like Malta who have Malta got I wouldn't even be able to tell you now a single Maltese player um, a single Malteser um, <laughs> But they've shown to the world that this is how you play against England. Just sit back and defend well. Obviously, they lost 2-0, but this is Malta. If, if, if that team has got anyone of sort of note, of better ability defending, they'll be able to get a 0-0, get a, get a couple of chances, finish it off. 1-0 wins against England every single time. If we play like that every time, we're going to lose every time against better opposition. It doesn't matter if we beat Malta 2-0. That's nothing, nothing for me. Um, but yeah, it's just... So it's just I've used the word before describing and I'm sure I'll use it again it's just tepid yeah I couldn't think of a better word to describe it there and we're going to move away from England because I think this conversation will start to get boring otherwise (laughs) if we hit the same old cliches with good old England let's move on to the worst performance of the week then Ben because there's been a number of interesting stories and we actually talked a little bit about this off air but a lot of these candidates there's nothing to do with what they've done on the field it's all off the field so there's four candidates that we've chosen here and I've got one particular candidate in particular I think you're going to expand on Ben but we've got Enna Valencia Graziano Graziano Pele I should say Joey Barton and West Ham Security so let's start off with West Ham Security why are they on there Ben because it's not a it's not a person it's a collective of people what, what have they done to warrant a place on this list well I hate this term viral it's really a word that I don't like to use but a video went viral last week in the past week of two three, three lads um, sort of teenagers maybe early 20s and basically what they did is they, they walked through a gate of the Olympic Stadium of the West Ham United Stadium London Stadium I should call it um, walked through a gate ended up on the pitch they sat in Slavan Bilic's chair or like temporary chair anyway don't know how long that'll be Bilic's chair um, but yeah they were jumping around on the pitch doing um, flips and stuff on the pitch it was, it was disgraceful and then to top it all off they climbed on top of the roof on the sort of ring the ring like around um, a planet ring at the top of the London Stadium and we're sitting on the edge and they were filming um, the pitch over this edge it was really scary I was watching it in bed lying down and I had to lean back even more 
if that was possible because I was scared of like just watching this video. I was like, oh my goodness, how are they doing this? And then they're climbing all over the sign. It was crazy. And the fact that they were allowed to do this or able to do this without any sort of, what, without being stopped is crazy. How How is that in, well, the, the latest stadium, it must be the most modern stadium in the Premier League. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but if the, if that team hasn't got any security, what else can we do? We jumping on top of the Emirates soon. But it is quite funny to think how, just in general, the London Stadium has been a bit of a disaster so far, really. Or that move to the London Stadium, I should say, for West Ham, because if you can recall as well, earlier in the week, a number of arrests were made after the West Ham Middlesbrough game. Uh, again, I think that was showing some of the flaws of the security system. And that had also come after a 1-1 draw against Middlesbrough, but West Ham were expected to win. So it sort of just capped off an awful week for West Ham again. Going back to a conversation we had, I think, on our first episode when they beat Bournemouth 1-0, very, as you would say, tepidly. And we did think that they would be cropping up quite a lot in this podcast, and they have lived up to expectations, that's for sure, which is not really what West Ham fans want to hear. But another interesting candidate then, to talk about Ben is Enna Valencia I think this is probably the most interesting story of the week um, in you know, just in terms of bizarre just absolutely bizarre really um, and that and that's interesting when you consider the likes of what we're going to talk about with Pele and Barton coming up but just in brief Enna Valencia he was playing or in, in Ecuador and the Everton forward of course if people uh, forget and he was leaving the field injured during a home match against Chile. And the officers wanted to speak to the striker about alleged unpaid alimony. And he ended up being chased by police out the stadium. I mean, what on earth is this, Ben? This is absolutely awful. I mean, just so much has gone wrong here. I guess try and pick a little bit of a part, but just madness, surely. The video is crazy. I mean, if you haven't seen the video, you need to check it out. I'm sure we'll tweet it out after the show. But the fact that there's so many funny there's so many funny moments in this story. The fact that he's not paying um, sort of his child benefits is what he's sort of in trouble with the police for. Is crazy in itself. He must be earning a pretty decent wage. He's probably not struggling anyway um, on the streets of Liverpool. And then the fact that he was able to get away from the police when the, he was cut, he was coming off the the pitch obviously allegedly injured probably not injured at all but how did the police let him go he's literally on a stretcher and let they let him go what these police need to get back into the training camp we'll get two for one with the west ham security team sort them both out what it also tells me is that it sounds like some sort of conspiracy almost where the medic team sort of colluded with Enna Valencia because if he faked this injury, they're medics, they're professionals, they know that if he's, he's seriously injured or not. And yet, to sort of consolidate this notion that they were helping him, they obviously ran like with him and they pushed him. They were, they were absolutely pegging it out the stadium. It was absolutely farcical. Um, but yeah, I... It's just beggars beyond belief, really, and it makes you think what's going to happen to him now. But yeah, absolute strange one there, Ben. Apparently, the arrest warrant has been dropped. Apparently, I, I think I read that, which is weird. That so, if you run away from the police in Ecuador, then they just, <laughs> they just stop caring. Apparently, so that's not a rule that we want to really adhere to on this show. But um, if anybody is listening, then there's you go. There's your tips. 
Let's move on to another candidate though, Ben. Before we get on to the famous Joey Barton one, Graziano Pele. This is another interesting story. Um, for those of you who can remember this this season, he's actually moved to China. He was an ex-Southampton striker. And he was substituted in a game on Thursday against Spain. Italy were playing against, Italy were playing against Spain. And uh, he walked past the manager, Giampiero Ventura, I think is how you pronounce his name, and he ignored his outstretched hand as he made his way off the pitch. So as a result, the striker has actually been released um, because of disrespectful behaviour towards his manager. Now Ben, before we actually get into the actual story itself, if you're a player who's just been substituted and your manager puts your hand out to shake it, do you not just shake it or am I... It might just be in perhaps Kieran, superficial stop, about stop it. Stop being so naive. Of course Sorry. you wouldn't shake the hand. It's, it, it means more than the shake of a hand, Kieran. It means that if you shake it, then you accept that you are playing badly, maybe. I don't know. I don't know what's going on through Pella's head. Um, very strange one. But he does get to go back to China earlier. So hmm. I guess that may be a good thing. I mean, it does open the door for left-back and studio favourite Mario Balotelli to <laughs> get back into the squad. Obviously, he's been playing fantastically well. but um, This yeah. is it. This is just a gateway into it. Exactly. This is the, it's this another is, conspiracy. This is the story. This is, this is the journey for Mario Balotelli back into the, back into the squad. Hopefully, fingers crossed. Yeah, it's absolutely baffling. And this, this was a statement, just briefly tell you, from the Italian Football Federation. And they said that being a part of the national team begins with showing respect for the staff, teammates and fans. The head coach, together with the FIGC, has decided to exclude Graziano Pelle due to his disrespectful behaviour. Players must share the values and assume an attitude which is in keeping with the Azura shirt. You know, you know, it said how the players have to respect the fans as well. I'm mm-hmm. now like imagining players walking through, sort of like before a match, through like the fans. You know how they stand near the buses when they arrive, mm-hmm. and a fan sort of offering their hand to shake, like I don't know who walks past. I don't even know many people in the Italian squad. Um, give me a player. Insigne, possibly. Insigne, your favourite. Um, a, a fan offers his hand to Insigne to shake and then Insigne just ignores it. And the manager sees, he's like, right, Insigne, you're off home. <laughs> you're going back. You're showing this disrespect to these fans. It's awful. Absolutely awful. But you know what else is awful? It's the fact that we have to bring up Joey Barton again, Ben, because he is another candidate on this list it's just been an absolute torrid couple of weeks for Joey Barton, but we can't say it's not without reason, to be honest. Um, the latest story today, just before we actually go into what's actually happened this week, Rangers have extended the club ban for Joey Barton for an extra week now. But, oh. I mean, I, I'd, I'd be surprised if he ever played for them again, to be honest. But... Um, He's had an absolute torrid week and he's been charged by the Scottish FA bin for gambling. I think it was on 40... He's made 44 bets between the 1st of July and 15th of September this year. How can you just be so naive for somebody like Joey Barton? Or is it naivety or is it just he doesn't care? Arrogance maybe, stupidity is another word I could use. Yeah, Um, I just think... Well, maybe he's just trying to sort of drum up uh, publicity because he's recently released his book. Well, he's doing I mean, a very good job of it, I have exactly. to say. Exactly, he's constantly in the news. You say he's in the news again today. He's, he's a, yeah, 
I mean, a lot of people sort of love Joe Barton for some reason, or they've got this sort of, I don't know, this liking to him, which, which I do not share at all. I have no interest in reading his book. I don't want to give the man money. I don't think he's a nice, he doesn't seem like a nice character to me. Um, not that I, I want to defame him, but he's clearly allegedly bet 44 on, on 44 different matches, as you say. And as a professional footballer, for how, how long he's played football at the highest level, or, well... His range is the highest level of football. That's up for a debate. But the fact that he's doing this at this stage in his career is just shocking. Mm. And he deserves never to play football again. He, he, how many chances has Joey Barson been given through his career? Um, I don't think it's good enough. And uh, yeah, I'd, I'd say he'd have to get in a serious world. He'd have to get worse performance of the week because he's, he's just it just goes from bad to worse with the guy. It's very true. I mean, it's, and all of this kick-started from a training ground altercation with his fellow teammate Andy Halliday after Rangers got thumped by Celtic 5-1 in the, in the derby. I mean, it's just, it just beggars beyond belief again with Joey Barton. But, you know, I, I would be tempted to go with Joey Barton, but not just because you went with Joey Barton so I can be devil's advocate, which is, is a part where well, I'm going to choose a different person, but I am thinking of Enna Valencia, to be honest, because... I just, how on earth, this is a mixture of things there, but I think the fake an injury and then run out of a stadium after failing to pay alimony money is just ridiculous. It's just absolutely awful. Um, I mean, you could combine it with security as well, which is what was wrong with West Ham, but yeah, both shocking. I'm going to just quickly add on that Joey Barton thing. I bet after thumping Halliday, he'd have this longer holiday. Yeah. Oh, God. This this is the type of banter we get now in the, back <laughs> in the studio. Sorry, I'm sorry. I'm sorry you had to endure that, listeners, as much as I had to endure that personally. But we're going to move on now to looking at a particularly boring game, Ben, for this week. And you you've chosen an international game, obviously being international week. So what have you gone for? Well, I'm sure I could have picked out a number of different games, um, but I've actually gone for the Battle of the Slovs. Um, I made that up it's, it's Slovenia v Slovakia um, same group as England and Scotland so it's sort of relevant there was also a boring game for Scotland against Lithuania which ended 1-1 but this um, Basila Slovs ended 1-0 to Slovenia which meant that Slovakia sort of the second seeded group uh, second seeded team in our group in group C mm-hmm. have now lost both of their opening games which is a bit shocking considering they're supposed to be the best team except for England in the group which shows a lot for the quality of the group Anyway, um, there's a total of three shots on target in this one, which is absolutely awful. Um, and apparently, both Slovenia and Slovakia were just really happy to just take their anger out on each other. So I've, I've heard that every year, I don't know if this is completely true, but I've heard this, that every year, basically, the Slovenian and Slovakian governments have to sort of sort out all of their mail, because they get loads of mail that was meant for the other country, and they have to like sort out this delivery to the other country, so they've all got their own mail. Does that make sense? Which I find is really weird. So I think these 22 players on the pitch were just taking their anger out on each other. <laughs> so there was a total of 29 fouls in the game, and eight yellow cards. So, I mean, it was a pretty heated affair, and a game of few chances, you can imagine. Well, there's three shots on target. Um, and Slovenia won it late on in the 74th minute. A guy called Kronoveta, I'm probably saying that very wrong, but he got the goal, a header in the 74th minutes for Slovenia, causing an upset. They deserved the win, apparently. 
Um, but yeah, it just seemed, I, I would have quite liked to see the game, just see this all this aggression on the field between the Slovs of the world. I mean, they must be so annoyed that people get confused between them um, <laughs> that they just needed to get it out on the football field. I mean, get their anger out. Not anything else. Um, <laughs> do you want to move on to your game? Yeah, so the game I've gone for is not an international game, but actually one in the English Football League. And it's a team close to our heart, but often one that we sort of wish wasn't close to our heart, I guess. And that's Exeter. Exeter City nil, Grimsby Town nil was the scoreline yesterday. Already from that, you can tell it was going to be boring. So Exeter's wait for a home win in League Two, is that for you, is, is extended to six games following a goalless draw against Grimsby. And sh- in terms of shots on target count, you did have the least amount. I had five in this particular game. But Grimsby had no shots on target this entire game. So Grimsby fans who made all their way down to Exeter would have really enjoyed that particular game. And I think the highlight of the game really is the fact there were two yellow cards. And that's all that really needs to be said with this game because it just seems utterly, utterly awful. And for Exeter, it just gets worse for them because at the moment, they're now sitting 23rd out of the 24 teams in League Two. So that means they're in the relegation zone. And as for Grimsby, they're sort of stuck in mediocrity in 10th place. So all I can say is really, if you didn't watch the Exeter-Grimsby game, I don't think you really missed anything. And as I said, although it's a team that's close to my heart, I'm quite glad that I didn't stay up to watch this whole affair, really, Ben. Instead, we watched a lovely non-league game yesterday at Stockport, and that was actually a very, very entertaining game, wasn't it? Yeah, we we bared witness to um, the sort of conglomerate force of Salford City um, for the first time, and it was an entertaining game. Non-league football, I don't go to a lot of non-league football, I must admit, but it was a a fine advert. I mean, Salford went 1-0 up, um, quite early on in the game with a nice strike from outside the box after some nice play and then Stockport sort of rallied themselves after a poor first half or per, first sort of half an hour definitely and, and got back into the game and ended up winning it so it was good to be a part of, of that really at a stadium that I think there was 3,800 people which I haven't checked but I think it might be the record for attendance this year for that team and maybe for the league as well because they do get the best attendance at Stockport County of um the Conference North. I don't know if it is it the Vanarama North now, isn't it? Um, but yeah, there were chants of Gary Neville is a banker, is a banker, is a banker <laughs> coming from the Stockport County fans. I don't know if he was in attendance or if he was doing some punditry somewhere or maybe <laughs> pretending that he could manage a football club. I don't know, but they were, those were the start of the chants. I'm sure the Silver City players get a lot of sort of similar stuff coming from the from the terraces. But yeah, it was an insane game. Um, definitely recommend going to some non-league football if you get the chance soon. Absolutely. So let's move on, Ben, to our final topic of today, which is the, the regular feature that we have. The funny story of the week, you know, we talk about the boring stuff, but let's try and find something that's a bit more comedic and light-hearted and a little bit different. So let's go over to you, Ben. What, what story did you pick out this week? Well, I've just got a quick stat before I move on to my, my funny story. Just a really weird stat and go, go about bad football as well. So in League One, which is probably the league that I don't really know anything about, in my eyes, which is a horrible opinion to have, is the most irrelevant league in English football. <laughs> it's like above the sort of League Two where you could get it down to the conference and it's sort of below championship where obviously you can go up to the Premier League. So League One's that 
sort of middling, mid-table mediocrity league, mm. which is extremely harsh when you're League One fans um, listening. But yeah, in League One, MK Dons currently have the worst home record in the division, while Port Vale have the worst away record. Right, pretty boring stuff. Mm. One team, I swear. But interestingly enough, Milton Keynes Dons have the best away record, while Port Vale have the best home record. So they've each got the best and worst of each of the records, which is really quite strange. And long may it continue in my eyes. Um, but anyway, I'll move on to the weird story. It's a bit. I haven't. I didn't hear about this. I've just seen it um, doing my research now. And apparently, Seamus Coleman, the Everton right back, we're talking about a lot of Everton players today. Mm. Um, said that Louis Vuitton washbags are everything that is wrong with football, um, which I I find quite funny because on Twitter yesterday at the England game, apparently there was a dab cam and that sort of meant loads of people were like, oh, dab cams are now everything that's wrong with football. Football's gone, football's dead, the game's dead. Um, And then obviously we've got other people saying about youth players having loads of money, oh, that's the end of the game, oh, the game's dead, oh, the game's gone, and all that. And obviously all the other serious reasons um, I won't go into about why the game might be dead. Um, but I just find it interesting that Seamus Coleman thinks that Louis Vuitton washbags are everything that is wrong with football. Mm. Well, those are strong words, aren't they? Strong words Coleman. about something that literally holds a toothbrush. <laughs> so as ever, footballers talking about the most important things in life, aren't they? And I've got an interesting story here, Ben, which um, revolves around a certain Jamie Vardy. Now, people may almost may almost have forgotten about Jamie Vardy, the fact that, you know, he's not starting for England, there's not as much hype around him. Um, and the same way, I think, almost people forgetting about Leicester, obviously still being champions of England. But, of course, following their success as becoming champions of England, they went on this lovely pre-season tour, Ben, in August, and they managed to play some of the best teams. They played PSG, Inter Milan, and Barcelona. It doesn't get much better than that, does it? I find you saying Inter Milan is one of the best teams. Quite <laughs> probably, but yeah, we'll, we'll move on with that. Traditionally, yeah, we'll say that. <laughs> and, of course, playing against Barcelona, huge game. And you're thinking, oh, this is going to be amazing. Look at all these star players you're going to meet. Anyway, in relation to that, Jamie Vardy was talking about at the end of the game when people swap shirts and things like that try and get messy or um, what have you so he said when we play so recently he said this when we played Barcelona pre-season I knew the lads would all be trying to get a shirt so I wasn't going to ask anyone which is quite a nice thing to do fair enough you know let, let your other teammates get the best ones fair enough Jamie and then uh, he says coming in at half time Luis Suarez asked if he could have my shirt the irony of that Jamie Vardy People keep talking about it, playing in League 2 football not that long ago. And now he's being asked by Luis Suarez of Barcelona to have his shirt. Um, I'd just be wary that it hasn't got any teeth marks or anything on it. But apart Whee! from that... Oh, there from we that, go. There we go. That's in it there. had to come in there, there at some go. point. And bite marks in the shirt because Luis Suarez likes to bite things. It's, <laughs> it's been released. And um, yeah, I just think that's, that's quite interesting in itself really, Ben. The fact that Jamie Vardy has been asked by somebody of Luis Suarez's calibre to have his shirt and not the other way around. Uh, he doesn't actually say whether he gives him the shirt or not. He yeah, says he asks him. Yeah. I wonder if Jamie Vardy just says, no, I just don't want your shirt, mate. Yeah, like Jamie Vardy's like topless. He's given Luis Suarez like, that. <laughs> nah, mate, you keep yours. I'm actually all right. Yeah. Sorry, <laughs> I haven't got space in the, in the old yeah. wardrobe. Suarez's home, already mate. got it out ready to give it to yeah. him and he's just like slams the door. Yeah. Me yeah. and the wife are struggling for coat hangers. Don't really want to use one <laughs> on your shirt. 
Ah, oh, poor Luis Suarez. Never thought I'd say that before. Anyway, we're coming already, I can't believe it, to the end of the show now, after discussing all of the most interesting, uh, <coughs> I mean, boring topics of the week. And um, we've, we've had a great, great time. And we'll be back at the same time next week with some more Premier League action, Ben, and some more European action, I imagine. Um, and maybe, if we have to, England might come up in discussion again as they play this Tuesday. But we'll see. You know, They might be more entertaining, but I have my doubts. How can, how can people get in touch and follow us, Ben, if they want to? Get on Twitter. Um, we're on Twitter. That's the main way to get in touch. It's um, L, at LB in the studio. Um, if you want to give us a tweet, give us a follow. Let us know what you think. If you see a particularly bad performance, and just give us a tweet about anything. If you've had a bad day and you want being cheered up, then um, probably not going to get that from tweeting us. But maybe. Um, yeah. And you can listen to us on SoundCloud and, or iTunes, but I imagine you're probably already in one of those, those formats anyway. Absolutely. So that wraps it up for us. That was Ben, and this is me closing out. Left back in the studio, back at the same time next week. We'll